This is Hip Hop Raise Me the Blog.com, where we celebrate 48 years of the younger genre of music. I'm talking about hip hop, y'all. Where it's about the knowledge, the culture, and the lifestyle. My name is CEO Dream. Welcome to Hip Hop Raise Me. Oh, thank you. Notorious is a 2009 American biographical drama film about American rapper Christopher Wallace, the Notorious B.I.G., following his life and murder. Directed by George Tillman Jr. and written by Reggie Rock Bythewood and Cheo Hodari Coker, the film stars Jamal Willard as Wallace, alongside Angela Bassett, Derek Luke, and Anthony Mackie. It received mixed reviews from critics and grossed $44.4 million on a $20 million budget. The film opens at a party in Los Angeles on March 9, 1997. Just as the notorious B.I.G. is about to be shot inside his SUV while stopped at a red light in the corner of Wilshire Boulevard and Fairfax Avenue when an assailant in a Chevrolet Impala pulls up next to his SUV and opens fire, the film flashes back to Biggie's childhood in 1980s Brooklyn, New York, where he lived during his childhood years as a hardworking school student before he begins dealing drugs. Christopher the notorious B.I.G.'s real name, now older, sells drugs at the height of the crack epidemic, hustling with his friends D-Rock and Lil Cease. When his girlfriend, Jan Jackson, tells him that she is pregnant, he takes drug dealing more seriously so he can earn more money to support his growing family. Christopher eventually participates in a rap battle, where he wins, but his mother, Voletta Wallace, kicks him out of the house after finding drugs underneath his bed, and also because of the fact letters were sent home about him not attending school. Chris gets caught with guns and drugs, and he serves nine months in jail before being bailed out. Christopher meets Kim Jones, but Kim refuses to pursue a relationship with him due to her abusive past. After reconciling with his mother and visiting his newborn daughter, Tiana, he records a demo under the name Biggie Smalls, which catches the attention of Puff, an ambitious record producer working for Uptown. Puffy promises him a record deal, but Puffy later tells Biggie that he was fired by Uptown, to their mutually shared disappointment. Soon afterwards, he and D-Rock are again arrested for possessing a gun, but D-Rock takes the blame to allow Biggie to pursue his music career. Biggie becomes depressed when he finds out his mother has been diagnosed with breast cancer, but is cheered up when Puffy signs him to his newly established record label, Bad Boy with a $60,000 advance and he records his debut album, Ready to Die. At a Bad Boy photoshoot, Biggie meets R&B singer Faith Evans. The pair begin a relationship and get married on August 9, 1994, after only knowing each other for eight days, however, Faith catches him cheating, putting an end to the relationship. The two later reconcile, but the tensions between Biggie, Faith, Jan, and Kim continue to grow. At a party celebrating the release of Ready to Die, Tupac Shakur attends and Biggie warns him about the people he associates with, telling him to watch the company he keeps while he's in New York. When Tupac is robbed and shot five times at Quad Studios, he blames Bad Boy. At the Source Awards in 1995, Suge Knight makes a speech dissing Bad Boy records. After altercations between the two rappers, the disagreement escalates into the media, who capitalize on the tension and stoke the flames of an East Coast-West Coast rivalry, and attacks are made on both sides. At the 1996 Soul Train Awards in Los Angeles, Biggie receives a death threat from an unknown caller, it is one of several that he has received throughout the day. At the afterparty, Tupac and Suge Knight verbally assault Biggie, but they leave when Biggie's security detail threatens them. 
a song called Who Shot Ya? is released by Biggie, which is interpreted as a diss track by Tupac. Biggie and Puffy claim that Who Shot Ya? was recorded before Tupac was shot, but Tupac responds with Hit Em Up where he disses Biggie, Puffy, Junior Mafia and the rest of the bad boy entourage. Tupac also claims he had sex with Faith. After seeing a magazine photo of Tupac and Faith together, Biggie accuses Faith of infidelity, but she insists nothing happened between her and Tupac. Biggie and Faith attempt to reconcile after she tells him that she is pregnant with his son, C.J. Wallace, on October 29, 1996. The rivalry between the East and West Coast continues to escalate. At a concert in Sacramento, California, Biggie gets booed. After this, Biggie performs Who Shot Ya? The rivalry between Biggie and Tupac continues until Tupac is killed in Las Vegas, Nevada. Volita tells Biggie that Tupac was probably killed as a result of their feud, which shakes him up. Biggie attempts to ease the tensions in his life by visiting Jan and Tiana more often. Biggie and D-Rock renew their friendship after D-Rock is released from prison, and Biggie confides to him that he wants out of the rap game. However, Biggie decides to go to Los Angeles to promote his upcoming album, Life After Death, bringing D-Rock and Lil Cease with him, along with Puff Daddy and Faith. While out in LA, Biggie receives more death threats. After calling Lil Kim to apologize and arrange a meeting with her, he leaves the party. The film returns to the opening scene, where Biggie is killed by an LA hitman. His funeral is held a few days later, where friends and colleagues mourn, along with thousands of fans, who line the streets to pay their respects. In the epilogue, Voletta self-reflects on Biggie's life, stating that while she is hurt that he was taken before his time, she finds peace in the fact that he accomplished his dream and left a lasting impact. A member of the crowd turns on a ghetto blaster which plays Biggie's song Hypnotize, and the crowd dances as Biggie's casket is driven down the city's streets. Cast Jamal Willard as Christopher Wallace, the notorious B.I.G. Christopher Wallace Jr. as young Christopher Wallace. Angela Bassett as Voletta Wallace. Derek Luke as Sean Combs, Puff Daddy. Anthony Mackie as Tupac Shakur. Antonique Smith as Faith Evans. Mark John Jeffries as Lil Cease. Naturi Nodden as Lil Kim. Kevin Phillips as Mark Pitts. Julia Pace Mitchell as Jan Jackson. Dennis L.A. White as Damien Rock Butler. Edwin Freeman as Mr. C. Valence Thomas as DJ 50 Grand. Sean Ringgold as Suge Knight. Anwan Glover as Snoop Dogg. Charles Molly Woodfield as Wayne Barrow, B.I.G.'s manager Anjanou Ellis as Sandy. Momo Dioni as record executive. Antoine Fuqua was originally set to direct before director George Tillman Jr. signed on to direct the project. The film was distributed by Fox Searchlight Pictures. Producers on Notorious include Sean Combs, Valletta Wallace and Biggie's former managers Wayne Barrow and Mark Pitts. In early October 2007, open casting calls for the role of the Notorious B.I.G. began. Actors, rappers and members of the public all participated. Rapper Beanie's Eagle auditioned for the role but was not picked. Eventually it was announced that rapper Jamal Willard was cast as Biggie, he would also play Biggie in the Tupac biopic All Eyes On Me. Other cast members include Angela Bassett as Voletta Wallace, Derek Luke as Sean Combs, Antonique Smith as Faith Evans, Naturi Nodden formerly of 3LW as Lil' Kim, Dennis L.A. White as D-Rock and Anthony Mackie as Tupac Shakur. An unknown actor also portrays Craig Mack in a scene as well. Principal photography began in March 2008. 
A soundtrack album was released to accompany the film, although only eight of its tracks feature in the movie. The following tracks which Christopher Wallace Jr. had input on feature in the movie. Born Again, Intro Hypnotize. Going Back to Cali. Ten Crack Commandments. Bed-Stuy Brooklyn, the film credits list this as the title, although the track appears on the soundtrack under the name Guaranteed Raw Suicidal Thoughts. Everyday Struggle. It's a demo, the film credits list this as the title, although the track appears on the soundtrack under the name Microphone Murderer Pimps and Max. Party and Bullshit. Machine Gun Funk. Unbelievable. Juicy. Flavor in your ear. Big Papa. Warning. I love the dough. Get money. Give me the loot. Who shot ya? Sky's the limit. Notorious opened on January 16, 2009 in 1,638 venues. The film earned $20,497,596 in its first weekend, ranking fourth in the domestic box office behind newcomer Paul Blart, Mall Cop, Holdover Grand Torino, and other newcomer My Bloody Valentine 3D. The film closed on April 2nd, having grossed $36,843,682 in the domestic box office, US-Canada, and $7,528,069 internationally for a worldwide total of $44,371,751. On Rotten Tomatoes, the film has an approval rating of 52% based on 145 reviews, with an average rating of 5. 57 tenths. The site's critical consensus reads, a biopic that lacks the luster of its subject, notorious as generic rise and fall fare that still functions as a primer for those less familiar with the work and life of the hip-hop icon. At Metacritic the film has a score of 60 out of 100, based on 32 critics, indicating mixed or average reviews. Some critics have noted that the first half of the film tells exactly the same story that the 2005 film Get Rich or Die Trying had. Roger Ebert gave the film three and a half out of four stars, applauding the film focusing on Christopher Wallace and not his rapping persona. Lil' Kim was not happy about the promiscuous manner in which she's portrayed in the film, saying regardless of the many lies in the movie and false portrayal of me to help carry a storyline through, I will still continue to carry his legacy through my hard work and music. She felt the producers were more interested in her character than her. Lil' Kim's scenes in the film contained a significant amount of nudity and sexuality. The film's producers, including Valletta Wallace, downplayed her comments. Purportedly, producers attempted to get Lil' Kim's input during production but she never returned calls. Producers went with stories from Wallace's friends of how she and Wallace met. Notorious was released on Blu-ray and DVD on April 21, 2009. In the first three weeks, about 858,000 DVD units had been sold, bringing in $19.5 million in revenue. Shout out to Hip Hop Raise Me the Blog, yo. Go check them out, you heard? That's what's up. Many regard Michael Jordan as the greatest of all time. Jordan won six championships with Chicago Bulls, which included two three-peats. He was influential in globalizing and commercializing the game of basketball and its stakeholders. In fact, he himself signed the historic Nike deal that helped him become a billionaire now. His airness net worth is $2.2 billion currently. 
During his 14-year-old NBA career, he earned around $93 million from salaries. However, now, despite his retirement, he earns around $100 million per year through several endorsements and investments. Jordan signed the historic Nike deal back in 1984 for $250,000 upfront and his own sneaker line. Until 2019, the Nike Air Jordan brand made around $3 billion, and MJ made $1.3 billion of that amount. The 1984 deal changed the landscape of the sneaker industry and made Nike one of the biggest sports brands in the world. However, American rapper, Master P, has called out Jordan for not having any stake in Nike. Master P calls out Michael Jordan for not owning a stake in Nike. Master P, the singer of Ice Cream Man, recently expressed his opinion of Michael Jordan's Nike deal. He said that Jordan built Nike and transformed it into what it is now. NBA legend Michael Jordan seating next to Larry Miller, left, the president of Nike division Jordan, attends the Jordan Classic, a contest between the 30 best French players under age 16, during a European tour to promote his clothing and shoe brand, at Stade Pierre de Coubertin Arena in Paris, France. Photo by Christophe dupont slash icon smi slash icon smi slash icon sport media via Getty Images. If you look at Michael Jordan's career, even though he's a billionaire now, but he had a million dollar deal, to which I'm thinking what if he got a percentage of Nike back in those days, Master P said. Because he built that company, turned it into an empire. We was wearing Converse back in the day. We wasn't wearing Nike, was wearing Converse and Adidas. And if you look at it, Michael Jordan, he trademarked his name that turned him into a multi-billionaire. But imagine if he had shares in that company. Imagine if he had stock in that company. Imagine if they gave him a percentage for what he what he's doing. It was an interesting opinion from Master P. It's no more a secret that Nike has made billions since landing Jordan in 1984. While Jordan has made his name in the business and investment industry post-retirement, he would have made much more if he had any ownership in Nike. But Nike and Jordan have a happy relationship and both have been making money from their deals. Since signing Jordan in 1984, Nike has grown massive and even acquired their former competitor, Converse, in 2003. That is called the MJ effect. Shout out CEO to Dream from Hip Hop Raise Me to Vlog. Big energy. Fuck with him. Alright, that's what's up, man. New York hip hop personality Taxstone has been arrested in relation to a shooting that killed a man at concert venue Irving Plaza just before rapper T.I. was scheduled to perform, sources say. Rapper Ronald Collins, known as Troy Ave, and two others were wounded in the May 2016 shooting that saw Collins' friend and bodyguard Ronald McFadder shot dead, police said. On Monday, law enforcement sources told NBC4 New York they had arrested Daryl Campbell aka Tax Stone in Brooklyn. Campbell is a hip-hop personality and hosts his own Tax Season podcast. Gunshots just went off at the TI concert, never been so scared in my life. Sources said he was wanted on a federal warrant charging him with being a felon in possession of firearm and was also being sought by the NYPD in relation to the Irving Plaza shooting. U.S. Marshals New York and New Jersey Regional Fugitive Task Force and NYPD arrested Campbell Monday morning without incident, sources said. Greater than massive police, ambulance and fire department presence on scene now at irvingplazapick.twitter.com slash fr. MSP. PS 61U. Greater than. Greater than pop trash movie, at L8-85.
May 26, 2016. Last year shooting happened in the third floor green room as about 950 people shuffled into the concert shortly after 10 p.m., police said. The melee began as a fistfight, but quickly devolved into a shooting. Rapper T.I. does not appear to have played any part in the shooting, officials said. Video shot inside the 1,025-person venue showed a chaotic scene as concertgoers rushed to the sides trying to leave the area as a group of people tended to a person on the floor. Greater than view this post on Instagram. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than a post shared by Kathleen Gowder, at Cashley Afterwards, Troy Ave was arraigned for the shooting on charges including attempted murder. He pleaded not guilty. Since then, he has been shot again in his car while driving in East Flatbush. Ronald Spig Nice Blackwell, a member of popular Queens, New York rap group The Lost Boys, was sentenced to 37 years for a bank robbery spree. The sentencing took place last Friday, January 16th, with Blackwell being the last of four defendants to be sentenced. U.S. Attorney Christopher J. Christie labeled the string of robberies one of the most violent in recent New Jersey history. A jury found that between December 2000 and April 16, 2002, the four defendants committed 10 bank robberies throughout Burlington, Mercer, Middlesex, and Monmouth counties. Blackwell must serve the 37 years in a federal prison and was ordered to pay $994,478 in joint restitution with his three co-defendants, who were sentenced on October 14, 2003. Customers and employees described the robberies as takeover robberies. Two men armed with handguns would take control of the bank and move employees and customers at gunpoint to A into a confined area within the bank. The robbers coordinated their movements inside the bank with the getaway drivers waiting outside using walkie-talkies. The robbers also used a stolen radio scanner to monitor police activity. Co-defendants Lacey Goggins, 33, Ryan Washington, 31, and Trenel Coleman, 24, all of Queens, New York are currently serving federal prison sentences of 594 months, 619 months, and 572 months. Because parole has been abolished in the federal prison system, the defendants must serve nearly all of that time. Shout out to Hip Hop Raise Me Live. Ah, ah. Many regard Michael Jordan as the greatest of all time. Jordan won six championships with Chicago Bulls, which included two three-peats. He was influential in globalizing and commercializing the game of basketball and its stakeholders. In fact, he himself signed the historic Nike deal that helped him become a billionaire now. His airness net worth is $2.2 billion currently. During his 14-year-old NBA career, he earned around $93 million from salaries. However, now, despite his retirement, he earns around $100 million per year through several endorsements and investments. Jordan signed the historic Nike deal back in 1984 for $250,000 upfront and his own sneaker line. Until 2019, the Nike Air Jordan brand made around $3 billion, and MJ made $1.3 billion of that amount. The 1984 deal changed the landscape of the sneaker industry and made Nike one of the biggest sports brands in the world. 
However, American rapper, Master P, has called out Jordan for not having any stake in Nike. Master P calls out Michael Jordan for not owning a stake in Nike. Master P, the singer of Ice Cream Man, recently expressed his opinion of Michael Jordan's Nike deal. He said that Jordan built Nike and transformed it into what it is now. NBA legend Michael Jordan seating next to Larry Miller, left, the president of Nike division Jordan, attends the Jordan Classic, a contest between the 30 best French players under age 16, during a European tour to promote his clothing and shoe brand, at Stade Pierre de Coubertin Arena in Paris, France. Photo by Christophe Dupont Elise slash Icon SMI slash Icon SMI slash Icon Sport Media via Getty Images. If you look at Michael Jordan's career, even though he's a billionaire now, but he had a million dollar deal, to which I'm thinking what if he got a percentage of Nike back in those days, Master P said. Because he built that company, turned it into an empire. We was wearing Converse back in the day. We wasn't wearing Nike, was wearing Converse and Adidas. And if you look at it, Michael Jordan, he trademarked his name that turned him into a multi-billionaire. But imagine if he had shares in that company. Imagine if he had stock in that company. Imagine if they gave him a percentage for what he what he's doing. It was an interesting opinion from Master P. It's no more a secret that Nike has made billions since landing Jordan in 1984. While Jordan has made his name in the business and investment industry post-retirement, he would have made much more if he had any ownership in Nike. But Nike and Jordan have a happy relationship and both have been making money from their deals. Since signing Jordan in 1984, Nike has grown massive and even acquired their former competitor, Converse, in 2003. That is called the MJ effect. A large heroin bust in Spain led to the arrests of 10 individuals and 55 kilograms of the drug taken into custody on Sunday, January 16, including the ringleader, who authorities referred to as Spain's Pablo Escobar, the Associated Press reports. Spanish police said the ring was based in the central province of Toledo with sources coming in from the Netherlands and later being distributed to parts of central and western Spain. Authorities raided eight different properties during the drug bust, which extended through Madrid, Toledo, and Caceres. Police referred to the ringleader of the scheme as Spain's Pablo Escobar of heroin and said he was closely linked to a global drug ring led by a Turkish citizen that transported drugs from Istanbul. The main importer of hashtag heroina from Spain was arrested and the organization he led was dismantled, Spanish National Police shared in a translated tweet on Sunday. 55 kilograms of heroin have been seized, one of the main seizures in recent years. His base of operations was in hashtag Toledo and he acquired the drug in hashtag Paises. Bajas. Greater than triangular flag on post, detenido al principal imperador de hashtag heroin on de España y desarticulada la organización que dirigía. Greater than. Greater than Sejan and Cotado 55 kilograms de heroina, una de las principales apprehensions de los últimos años. Greater than. Greater than su base de operaciones estaba en hashtag Toledo y acquiria la droga and los hashtag paises bajas pic.twitter.com slash wzn for life. Greater than. Greater than Policia Nacional, at Policia, January 16, 2022. Authorities began investigating into the drug ring last March, which led to the bust of a large shipment of heroin in December, though police didn't specify the exact date of the arrests. Pablo Escobar, dubbed as the King of Cocaine, was the founder and sole leader of the Medellin cartel and monopolized the cocaine trade from Colombia into the United States in the 1980s and early 1990s, 
amassing an estimated net worth of $30 billion prior to his death in 1993. New York, 1010 wins, Mayor Eric Adams got the Saturday Night Live treatment late last night, and he loved it, encouraging vaccinations while praising his portrayal on Twitter Sunday. Chris Redd is hilarious and looked great, he tweeted. But it's not true that I haven't been sick in 60 years, which is why I got vaccinated, and boosted, and all New Yorkers should as well. P.S. Dash at Red said it, you forgot my earring. Greater than Chris Redd is hilarious and looked great. But it's not true that I haven't been sick in 60 years, which is why I got vaccinated, and boosted, and all New Yorkers should as well. Greater than. Greater than P.S. Dash at Red said it, you forgot my earring. HTTPS colon slash slash t dot co slash row 9 GM. Egged. Greater than. Greater than Mayor Eric Adams, at Nightmare, January 16, 2022. Greater than smiley face, appreciate that, Mayor Adams. Notes taken and I got you next time, flex bicep, HTTPS colon slash slash t dot co slash. Zub. Of. BW. Greater than. Greater than Chris Red, at Red Said It, January 16, 2022. Red grooved to the mayor's podium alongside West Side Story star and first time host Ariana DeBose, who played Adam's spokesperson. What's up, New York? Red said through a played up Brooklyn accent. That's right. It's your own boy. Your hometown hero, Eric Adams. You feel that New York is back, baby. SNL's Adams detailed his vegan and NYPD background while clashing with faux reporters who talked over each other and asked about COVID-19, his brother's NYPD role and his low-skill workers' comment that raised eyebrows. I do not do chaos in my city. I told y'all that, Red said. I was a police officer for over 70 years. If I get startled I start kicking people's asses. The real mayor's praise for Red is a far cry from the criticism he received from actress Rosario Dawson, who criticized his impression of her boyfriend, New Jersey Senator Cory Booker in October. was apparently pushed to her death in front of a subway train at the Times Square station Saturday, police said. Police had someone in custody in connection with the woman's death, which happened little more than a week after the mayor and governor announced plans to boost subway policing and outreach to homeless people in the streets and on trains. The victim was waiting for a southbound R train around 9.40 a.m. when she was apparently shoved, according to police. Names and other information about the woman or the person in custody haven't been released. Subway conditions and safety have become a worry for many New Yorkers during the pandemic. Although police statistics show major felonies in the subways have dropped over the past two years, so has ridership, making it difficult to compare. And some recent attacks have gotten public attention and raised alarms. In September, three transit employees were assaulted in separate incidents on one day. Several riders were slashed and assaulted by a group of attackers on a train in Lower Manhattan in May and four separate stabbings, two of them fatal, happened within a few hours on a single subway line in February. 
In recent months there have been several instances of people being stabbed, assaulted or shoved onto the tracks at stations in the Bronx, Brooklyn and at Times Square. New Mayor Eric Adams has noted that a perception of danger could drive more people to eschew the subway, complicating the city's economic recovery as it tries to draw people back to offices, tourist attractions and more. We must restore public trust in our transportation system, the former police captain said January 6 while announcing a plan to have officers patrolling the streets heading into subways to do visual inspections and have transit officers walk through trains and talk with passengers. Omnipresence brings about the level of security and safety, Adams said. Under his predecessor, Bill de Blasio, the city repeatedly said it was deploying more police to subways after attacks last year and pressure from transit officials. The agency that runs the subway system, the Metropolitan Transportation Authority, sped up work to install security cameras in all 472 subway stations citywide, finishing that project in September. However, the city also has repeatedly faced complaints in recent years about heavy-handed policing in subways. Protests erupted, for example, after police were seen on bystander video handcuffing a woman they said was selling churros without a license at subway stations in 2019 and punching a black teenager during a brawl on a subway platform that same year. Joining Adams last week to discuss the state of the subways, Governor Kathy Hochul said she was planning to put together five teams of social workers and medical professionals to help the city guide people living on streets and subways to shelter, housing and services. Shout out Hip Hop Baby, the blog, you heard? You already know. An undersea volcano has erupted in the Pacific island nation of Tonga, sending large waves which prompted tsunami warnings across the South Pacific. People have been forced to flee their homes, streets and buildings have flooded, as tsunami waves crashed into Tonga's main island of Tohungatapu. So far there have been no immediate reports of injuries or the extent of the damage. Greater than surreal look at these images from home. In hashtag Tonga. The red and white building at the back is the royal palace. The bank one of the main banks in the capital. Hashtag Tonga Tsunami Hashtag Tonga Volcano Hashtag Disaster Pick.Twitter.com Slash 4ZZG Add to XT Greater than Greater than Josephine Latuzanft At Joe Latuzanft January 15, 2022 New Zealand's Emergency Management Agency issued an advisory on tsunami activity for its north and east coasts stating that some parts of the nation could expect strong and unusual currents and unpredictable surges at the shore following a large volcanic eruption. Meanwhile, New Zealand's military said it was monitoring the situation and remained on standby, ready to assist if asked. The eruption of Hunga Tonga Hunga Hapai, located about 65 kilometers north of Nuku'alofa, caused a tsunami measuring 1.2 meters, Australia's Bureau of Meteorology said. Australia's federal government is also monitoring the situation and ready to provide support to Tonga if requested. The Tonga Meteorological Services said a tsunami warning had been put in force for all of Tonga and data from the Pacific Tsunami Warning Center showed waves of 80 centimeters feet, had been detected. Authorities in the nearby island nations of Fiji and Samoa also issued warnings, telling people to avoid the shoreline due to strong currents and dangerous waves. The Japan Meteorological Agency said there may be a slight swelling of the water along the Japanese coasts, but it is not expected to cause any damage. 
Tsunami waves measuring 2 feet in height were also generated in American Samoa after the volcanic eruption. In a statement, the Pacific Tsunami Warning Center in Honolulu said that a tsunami was generated by this earthquake. And based on all available data, there is a threat to American Samoa of sea level fluctuations and strong ocean currents that could be a hazard along beaches, in harbors and in coastal waters. Tonga's business news site reported that a convoy of police and military troops evacuated the island's King Depo VI from his palace near the shore. He was among the many people who headed for higher ground. Greater than stay safe everyone, Tonga, pick.twitter.com slash ororx, JM saw. Greater than. Greater than Dr. Fakailo Tonga Tami Folau, at Sakakamona, January 15, 2022. Dr. Emily Lane from New Zealand's National Institute of Water and Atmospheric Research said the eruption is very significant. Professor Shane Cronin, School of Environment, University of Auckland, added that the eruption is one of the volcano's largest since 1100 AD and warned that the people of Tonga should be vigilant of further eruptions of the same size. The past large Hunga eruptions were comparable to the scale that we have seen in the January 15, 2022 event or larger. Based on these past events, tephra, ash, balls of up to 20 cm thick can be expected on Tongatapu and the Hapai group of islands. Geological deposits on Hunga Hapai of the AD 1000 and AD 200 eruptions suggest that there were many eruptive phases during each of the major eruption episodes, Professor Cronin said. He added, this suggests that the current eruption episode could last several weeks or months and that further similar-sized eruptions to the January 15, 2022 event are possible. A Twitter user identified as Dr. Fakailo Tonga Taumifolau posted video showing waves crashing ashore. Can literally hear the volcano eruption, sounds pretty violent, he wrote, adding in a later post, raining ash and tiny pebbles, darkness blanketing the sky. The volcano is located about 64 kilometers, 40 miles, north of the capital, Nuku'alofa. Back in late 2014 and early 2015, a series of eruptions in the area created a small new island and disrupted international air travel to the Pacific Archipelago for several days. Chris Brown has announced the return of Breezy season. To kickstart the moment, Breezy drops off his new single and video Iffy. The Iffy video is directed by Joseph Kahn and takes Chris Brown to Los Angeles as the getaway driver for a front rack that is equipped for dancing, which you know Breezy gets into. The video brings a Brown dancing sequence on top of muscle cars as they speed down the highway. The video, which doubles as a heist action film, brings Chris Brown in some fighting dance sequences. The NYPD will soon roll out a new hybrid plainclothes police squad to combat gun violence in the Big Apple, in what appears to be a revamped version of the disbanded anti-crime unit, the Post has learned. The new units, dubbed Neighborhood Safety Teams, will replace the uniformed public safety teams in the top 30 commands where shootings surged last year, according to a memo sent out Friday by Chief of Department Ken Corey. Neighborhood safety teams will be responsible for addressing violent street crimes, specifically targeting perpetrators who carry and use illegal firearms, according to the memo obtained by the Post. 
they will perform duty attired in a hybrid plain clothes slash uniform, and their name, rank, and shield number will appear on their outermost garment at all times so that the public and other officers can identify them as members of the service. The move appears to fulfill a campaign promise by Eric Adams to reinstitute the controversial anti-crime unit, which was disbanded by former police commissioner Dermot Shea last year. When Shea disbanded the squad, he said it was in the realm of closing on one of the last chapters on stop, question and frisk. Police Commissioner Keechan Sewell previously told the Post that she believed plainclothes units work but you had to staff the squads with well-trained officers who know what their objectives are. The department asked police brass in the memo for a list of qualified candidates and their commands by next Friday that it will send a special training similar to undercover narcotics, vice and autocrime training. It was unclear how long the specialized training would be or when the units would hit the streets. All candidates for the unit must have at least 2.5 years on the job and be vetted by their commanding officers in which would a review of performance evaluations, disciplinary history, use of force incidents, civilian complaints, community recognition, body-worn camera footage, stop report compliance, sick record, etc. must be considered, Corey writes. The anti-gun cops will wear body-worn cameras while on patrol and their vehicles will have dashboard cameras, according to the memo. Each unit, which will be supervised by a lieutenant, will have a ratio of one sergeant for every five cops or detectives, the memo says. Corey writes that the ratio will balance the need to provide public safety with concerns about proactive policing by precinct-based plainclothes teams. Some police sources were skeptical of the unit being much different from its prior iteration, which was criticized for its aggressive police tactics that led to a disproportionate number of civilian complaints and police shootings. New paint job and smart lighting, one source quipped. Other sources have lamented since the dismantling of the plainclothes gun squad that it was a necessary unit on the streets where shootings have not slowed since the early weeks of the pandemic. Neither NYPD nor City Hall immediately responded for comment. Shout out, Hip Hop Raised Me the Blog. That's what's up. I'll see y'all. Prices are accurate at the time of publication. I own dozens of boots from many brands, but the Timberland Superboot is my go-to choice for winter. The brand just re-released the Superboot in its most iconic and collectible colorway. Here's what they're like to wear and where you can buy them. Got my first pair of Timberland boots when I was in kindergarten. The year was 1998 and I was only 5 years old, but I can vividly remember those classic wheat 6-inch boots being my favorite shoes at the time. Over the years, I've worn a handful of other Timberlands, and I'd probably still have a majority of them today, had I not outgrown them. 24 years later, my feet have stopped growing, so I don't have to replace my shoes nearly as often. When I shop for boots now, I look for build quality that can last a lifetime, and Timberland is still, without a question, my number one choice. Out of the 20-plus pairs of Timberlands I own, the Super Boot is by far my favorite silhouette because of its longevity in both quality and style. I currently own seven pairs of super boots, including the most iconic color, Hazel Highway, which the brand just brought back. Originally released in 1979, the Timberland super boots were designed for Alaskan frontiersmen and hunters in need of footwear that was durable, waterproof, and warm for extended periods of time. Often referred to as the Iditarod boot for its popularity among Alaskan dog sled racers or the 40 below boot for being said to withstand minus 40 degrees Fahrenheit temperatures, they have a strong reputation for cold weather wear. 
While the Timberland Super Boot has proven itself in cold weather, the boot has also become a staple for winter street style after being popularized in the 1990s. Unlike other Timberland styles like the 6-inch boots, Super Boots aren't always available. After being gone for many years, they've seen recent releases in 2016, 2019, and now in 2022. Every time they return, the release is special for fans of the iconic boot. What Super Boots are like to wear? The Timberland Super Boots feature an 8-inch height, the iconic dark brown tumbled leather upper, rust-proof lace hardware, 200 grams of Primaloft insulation, and Vibram outsoles. Although I've never been to Alaska or stepped foot outside in sub-zero temperatures, I've worn my Super Boots countless times during harsh New York and New Jersey winters. Even with normal socks, I've been able to comfortably stand outside in them without frozen toes. The leather uppers are incredibly durable and easy to maintain. In the five years that I've owned this pair, I've only wiped them off with water when dirty and they haven't gotten scuffed or faded. The Vibram soles are equally durable with barely any signs of wear. Cons to consider. The only possible downside to super boots are the weight. They are on the heavy side, but it's something you should expect considering its 8-inch height, thick leather upper, and sturdy Vibram sole. If you're less concerned with the iconic style and really need lighter boots, Timberland has plenty of modern designs in the green stride collection that are incredibly light, yet durable and warm. The bottom line. At $260, Timberland super boots are an amazing value. Although I have multiple pairs of the dark brown super boots already, my first pair is in such good condition that I haven't had a reason to wear the others. They last a very long time. If you're not a shoe hoarder like myself, you can buy one pair and not have to worry about replacing them for many years to come. Whether you're interested in them for the classic 90s street style or the extreme warmth, the Timberland Super Boot is a great choice. If you're looking for winter boots that will last a lifetime, you've just found them. This is HipHopRaiseMeTheBlog.com, where we celebrate 48 years of the younger genre of music. I'm talking about hip-hop, y'all. Where it's about the knowledge, the culture, and the lifestyle. My name is CEO Dream. Welcome to Hip Hop Raising.